Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome once again to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski and today we're studying Tractate Shabbat Daf Nun Tet, uh, page 59 and continuing our conversation about the clothing items that one can or cannot wear into the public sphere because if you wore excessive clothing that would be like carrying the item itself. You can't necessarily put your book on top of your head and walk into the public sphere and say you're wearing a hat. Uh, and we're also continuing our conversation about ritual impurity. We mentioned yesterday that ritual impurity is it, it can attend, it can apply to uh, a useful human object, some cleat, some vessel, some utensil. Uh, on our page today, we get we get the basic idea that to be susceptible to impurity, it has to be used in the normal way that that this item is used. You can't. Uh, if you sit on a tub, that doesn't make it a chair, uh, our page says. If you sit on a bag, that doesn't make it a chair. It only uh, can acquire that impurity if it's used in the normal way that such an item is used. What, I, it, what interests me, though, about today's uh, page are a number of items that are stories or really referred to stories about, uh, about the sages mentioned. Rabbinic culture largely revolves around, yes, the teachings that they give, and yes, the the Torah that they're trying to expound as they seek to to live a holy way, but it also revolves around the people, the individual sages whose stories are told and whose teachings are told. There are a couple of allusions uh, on our page that 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 are interesting. First of all, we're told that you are not supposed to, a woman is not supposed to, walk out of her uh, house into the public sphere wearing an ear shell zahav, a golden city. This would appear to be some sort of crown. And uh, there's a famous story about Rabbi Akiva, who gave his wife a Yerushalayim shell zahav, a golden crown, apparently with the skyline of Jerusalem on it, or something like that. That's, of course, the name of our very popular song, Yerushalayim shell zahav, golden Jerusalem. Rabbi Akiva gave his wife uh, gave his wife this crown. Well, one shouldn't shouldn't wear it because it's it's excessive. You're likely to to end up carrying it in the public sphere. First of all, one thing I want to say about Rabbi Akiva and his wife there there are a number of stories, probably well known to you, perhaps well known to you, about her tremendous sacrifice on behalf of his learning. She sent him away and let him be, as the Talmud scholar Daniel Boyarn called, a married monk to study for many years without the responsibilities of home and family. She was a rich girl. He was a poor boy. Sounds like a song. And she she was a, she was enabled him to uh, to study. In the Jerusalem Talmud on our passage, we're, we're studying the Babylonian Talmud. In the Jerusalem Talmud on our passage, we have a reference to a different version of what she did. She cut off her braids and sold the hair to pay his bills to study. We have a nice O. Henry uh you know, gift of the Magi kind of motif with that. 
So our page refers to, without without explaining it all, our page refers to Rabbi Akiva, and the Talmudic student uh, can be assumed to know that. We also have a, a nice reference. Uh, there's a there's a teaching by Rabbi Yosef who uh, who appears not to remember something that he previously said, and his students gently remind him, you know, you you have already told us a different law than you just said. You already you have already told us previously the opposite. And Rashi refers to a passage elsewhere that Rav Yosef, I, I think that the modern person might say that Rav Yosef had some senior moments, or Rav Yosef perhaps had some some level of dementia or memory loss, and and would forget what he had previously told his students. Now, there's no way to know for absolute fact what the sages actually did, or or much about their personalities. Tom was a literary book, and it records stories. Um, you know, you can't necessarily assume that, that things happen just like they told them, but if in a handful of passages we get the idea that Rav Yosef had to be, Rav Yosef lived in Babylonia in the, I guess, fourth century or so, if we get the, if we get the, uh, the claim that Rav Yosef tended to forget his teachings, I wonder if there isn't, in fact, some real, some real truth behind this story that we are seeing the remnant of a, uh, of a, of a memory loss that, just like happens nowadays, happened in those days too. So the students had to, had to tell him what he had previously said. Finally, there is a really cool little episode here told about the, uh, the scholar Rav. Rav is from the land of Israel, but is now in Babylonia. And at a certain point, uh, his students tell him that there is a tall guy who has come to Nahardea, and he's limping, and he is telling the following law with respect to wearing belts out in the public sphere. And, and Rav concludes, oh, this must be my old friend from the land of Israel, Levi, who is here. And he must be here because Rav, uh, Rabbi Afes has died, and Rabbi Hanina is now sitting in the head of the academy. And when Rabbi Hanina ascended to that position, Levi lost his study partner. And so now, now he has come to Babylonia to, to seek a new study partner. Rabbi Afes was apparently the, the head of the academy before, and and Levi and Rabbi Hanina were the were the sort of of, of equal stature. So they, they kind of established their own independent study group. They didn't they didn't um, uh, attend his academy, but they they had their own group. And then when Rabbi Hanina becomes the chief, Levi comes to Babylonia. What's interesting to me about this is that Rabbi Afes is portrayed here as the big dude. He's the head of the academy. And, and his death is, seem to be, you know, quite a loss. Well, I'll tell you something interesting. Rabbi Afes is mentioned all of four times in the Talmud, only twice, uh, giving us any comment of substance, and twice with the recounting of this story. So, socially, it would appear that Rabbi Afes in his day was a quite important authority, and he had a lot of power, and his own colleagues must have held him in very high esteem, uh, to make him the head. But over past, over the centuries, his teachings haven't really entered into the the Talmudic mainstream. I find that pretty unusual. You know, uh, you you think that the the most important sages would have most of their teachings. He must have said many teachings, but they just didn't didn't make it into the book. So when you think about the editing of the Talmud, people will often tell you, well, it's sort of a running record of the things that were said. Can't be, can't be, because Rabbi Afes must have said many things. It's a sign that the editing of the Talmud, the editing of the Mishnah, and the editing of the Tosefta, just didn't happen to work to Rabbi Afes's 
uh, a benefit. His students probably weren't the ones who edited this work. So, Rabia Face, I don't know too much of what he said, but I know he was in his own day and in his own way very important. All right, thanks for learning with me, and I look forward to studying another page with you tomorrow on Daily Daf Differently. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.